The good news of the scriptures is that God has sent his son Jesus from the glories of heaven, this kingdom of light, and he has shown you his light in the midst of your darkness, that in your blindness toward him, he has revealed his love to you. Merry Christmas, and thanks for joining us now for First Person and a conversation with Bob Bakke, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in Bloomington, Minnesota. Our conversation will center on the wonder of Christ becoming man at Christmas. These interviews are made possible by the Far East Broadcasting Company, which broadcasts and spreads the message of Christ in many countries of the world through local language broadcasters. Sometimes the radio is the only means of connecting with God's Word in some of these places, so your prayers and support of FEBC is an eternal lifeline to millions in hard-to-reach countries. Please learn more about FEBC's ministry at firstpersoninterview.com. And while you're online, check out the schedule of upcoming first-person programs coming up in the new year, firstpersoninterview.com. For our Christmas interview, I chose to contact my friend Bob Bakke. He's a pastor, as I mentioned, but he also has a unique perspective on the ministry of prayer around the world. So as we talked recently, I started by asking him for his observations about what is happening through the prayers of believers. Well, I've seen it on a number of fronts, Wayne. Uh, The Lord has stretched me in my own personal prayer life with regard to challenges um, in the church itself. There are seasons within a a church's life, uh, as you can imagine, you don't have to be a pastor to know that, um, that there there are times when either financial struggles or personnel struggles uh, hit, hit your church or, uh, you know, press in upon you. And uh, God's deepened me that way. I mean, there, there have been relational issues. There have been financial issues. We, had a, we have a school in, um, in our building on our campus that represents 20% of our revenues, and they, were, they announced that they were going to close their doors. Oh. Um, and, but we helped. We helped save them. We, we we walked it through. We saw hmm. uh, a number of answers to prayer. That we rescued the school. We had a coffee shop that that was about to go out of business, and we we built that. We poured a, a, a number of uh, many many hundreds of thousands of dollars into this, and and we saw it rescued too for for a greater purpose. We have a school nearby us called Bethany Global University, who at the last moment became our partners in this um, coffee house. Hmm. Um, in a commercial district of uh, Bloomington, Minnesota, and now we're tr- our baristas are our budding missionaries that we're sending out across the earth uh, <laughs> to plant coffee houses as, in creative access countries in in places where uh, they can't go as missionaries. Uh, we just sent out uh, a couple a couple of weeks ago who is going to to plant a coffee house in Jakarta. Uh, Indonesia, the largest Islamic republic on earth. That's remarkable. It's, you, you can never foresee these kinds of difficulties, but at the end, God never panics. There's always a plan in that. In our in our prayers to him, we acknowledge that plan and those providences, and we see him uh, come out the other end uh, using these, these, uh, these difficult uh, times for even greater purposes. So, I, you know, I just encourage any of, your, any, of, any of your listeners who are uh, listening today who are going through tough times. They do challenge us in yes. many, many ways. Yes. But at the other end, uh, we look back and we say, oh, my Lord. Yeah. 
how you use that, how you weave that for your glory. But we've also seen things happen internationally and, domestic, and domestically. Uh, we have, um, of course, you, you join me on uh, these national broadcasts that we do together on occasion. Um, and we, we get the feedback from around the country how, how marvelous these are. But more importantly, we're seeing, uh, we're seeing people around the country, um, particularly pastors, who are urgently and desperately looking for others of like mind. In some cases, there are hundreds of these pastors finding one another in given cities, say like Reno, Nevada, for example. There are hundreds of these pastors who are praying together, or in Little Rock, Arkansas, or across the state of Georgia. There are a number of places across the state of Georgia. A few weeks ago, I was in Austin, Texas, and there were, there were hundreds of pastors that had, had come together, and they had been praying for numbers of years. And um, over the past 20 years, I've been in and out of Austin, Texas, and, and I have seen uh, up, uh, more, sometimes uh, over 200 of these pastors uh, together for three days, just crying out to God wow. for a new work of, of God's Spirit in the heart of Texas, in the capital of Texas. And we're seeing uh, remarkable things happen in the heart of uh, Austin, Texas. So um, that's, dom that's domestically, but internationally, we're also seeing uh, remarkable works of God. Uh, just, uh, a few, uh, just a few days ago, I was in Boca Raton, uh, Florida, meeting with some, some people that I have known over the past five years and with whom I have prayed. And it's a group called the Timothy Initiative. In the past, uh, I think it's like five, six, seven years, they have planted 50,000 churches. Oh, wow. Excuse me. Yes, 50,000. You're not hearing this uh, incorrectly. <laughs> and, uh, and I was skeptical, and almost every one of my friends who heard these stories initially were skeptical. Um, but the data is very hard. And uh, through uh, Asia, there, there, there's this multiplication that is taking place what they call Tim, uh, Pauls and Timothys and Tituses, who are mentoring each other and dividing and multiplying. And these churches, they may be eight people under a, under a tree in northern Kenya, um, or they may be you know, 200 people in, um, in Miramar, uh, huddled in, in, under a, th a thatched, thatched roof. Hmm. Uh, but they're multiplying like weeds. And so God is up to something. Yeah. There's, there's these remarkable answers to prayer. So oh, both great. personally, in my church, domestically, and internationally, I'm very, very encouraged today. Well, God has given you such a unique vantage point to uh, not only participate in this, but just to see it uh, and see it unfold before your eyes, and then you can report it to the rest of us. So, And I want to take you back to you mentioning, you know, seeing some answers to prayer. Here we are at the Christmas season. We're on the threshold of Christmas, and some people aren't feeling so good about it. I mean, this is a very difficult time of year for a lot of people. Let's be honest about that. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe there's someone listening today that needs some encouragement and needs an answer to prayer. Well, um, it was in, in the midst of a very discouraging moment in history when Jesus came initially. Um, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, that famous verse, the people walking in darkness, right, have seen a great light. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't a time of happiness or joy. They were under oppression. They hadn't really heard a prophetic voice in, in almost 400 years until John the Baptist came. And, and that ministry was just a brief moment uh, when he came and announced that, the, that uh, one was coming that he had been sent to, to prepare the way for. 
But other, th other than that brief moment of John the Baptist's ministry, uh, God had been silent in Israel. Um, Israel had been under Roman oppression uh, for a, a number of years now, perhaps as, as much as a century. And so um, there, were, there were grieving times, and only a few people were really, uh, as the scriptures uh, share, uh, people like Simeon and Anna in the temple, there were a few people who were, who were desperately seeking for the Lord's Messiah, but not many. Most were just living their lives. Most were just uh, uh, bemoaning the fact that they were oppressed people. Some of them were rebellious and tried to get out from underneath Rome's uh, thumb and were violently put down. And many, many died when they tried. So it wasn't a good time back when the, when the Savior first came. These people were walking in darkness, and they were living in the land of the shadow of death, we're told. And it was then that the light dawned. And uh, it can be this, this, this Christmas as well for, for many of your listeners mm -hmm. who are not, uh, not doing well at this moment. And their families, their families are struggling. Their marriages might be struggling. They might be unemployed. Um, but in the midst of that darkness, this light is dawning. Uh, and just like uh, just like two thousand years ago, when the people were walking in darkness and living in the land of the shadow of death, this light dawned. It has dawned, and Christ can dawn upon you today. Uh, let me give you an example uh, out of the scriptures, uh, and it comes from one of the most famous passages in the in the Christmas season, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter one. Mm -hmm. We're told that in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And of course, this Word, uh, this Word is Jesus, and He is about to become flesh. John, uh, John is telling us, and He was with God in the beginning. That is, when when everything began, when all of history began, He was already with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that has been made, and in Him was life. And that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And then verse 9, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. And he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the promise of today, Wayne. And this is the promise for everyone, whether, whether we're feeling blessed today or whether we're struggling, living in those lands of darkness. The light has come. Christ is among us. We'll continue our conversation anticipating Christmas with Bob Bakke coming up on First Person. I'm Ed Cannon of the Far East Broadcasting Company. As you listen to First Person, please take a few moments to visit our website and learn more about FEBC. At firstpersoninterview.com, you can sign up without obligation for a free daily online devotional that will inspire you with stories and scripture telling how God works through our broadcasts in many countries. 
Learn more and sign up for our 30-day devotional at firstpersoninterview.com. My guest is Dr. Bob Bakke, my good friend. Bob is senior pastor of Hillside Church in Bloomington, Minnesota. And uh, we've, we have worked a number of uh, radio projects through the years, Bob, uh, all focused on prayer. And it's been amazing to try to keep in step with you on that topic. And you came to mind when I knew I wanted to have a Christmas conversation today. And I am so appreciate your availability here on the, on the eve of Christmas that we, can, that we can talk about these things together. You took us to John chapter 1. It's just so beautiful to hear those words. It's such, it's such beautiful language and poetry, prose. What is it? I, I, I don't know which it is, but it's, it's just remarkable. It is remarkable. And, of course, the incarnation uh, by itself is just a remarkable thought. It's a, it's a mind-boggling thought that God would become flesh. The, the word incarnation, Wayne, uh, people have used it over the years, but sometimes they just simply don't understand it. It's, it's a simple Latin word, uh, at least it's derived from Latin, it just seem, means in flesh. Some, some of us like chili, some <laughs> of us like chili con carne, right? <laughs> right, it's yeah. chi- Con carne, that's that with chili with meat in it, with flesh in it. <laughs> and so the incarnation is God with flesh on him. And he has come to bring life, and he's come to bring light. And he came um, because God in spirit couldn't die. Not only couldn't, could he not walk among men, but he could not die. That, that may seem like a strange thought on Christ, uh, Christmas time, but the fact is that the scriptures have teach us very clearly that the reason he became flesh was that he could die. Uh, um, Hebrews chapter 2, for example, um, since God's children have flesh and blood, he too shared their humanity so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death. So the life that is dawning is is the truth of God's love for us, that he would give his only son he would make him flesh in order that he could die. So that this death would be an atonement, that this death would cover the sins of humanity, those who believed in Jesus. This, this atonement, uh, Romans chapter 3, 25, he presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood to demonstrate his justice. That means everybody's sins has to be reckoned with. God had to send him. So this light that has come, that light that has dawned, that uh, John talks about. This light who, uh, who lived before uh, history ever was and will live after history is gone, who was in the beginning with God when history started and who was God, has become flesh in order that he might die for humankind. It's, it's the Christmas gift. We often talk about the mystery of the incarnation, and we, we kind of slide over that, but we'll, we'll never fully grasp it. It's remarkable, and it's, it's mind-boggling, uh, and it, it provides something to really just uh, chew on at Christmas time. but we'll never really understand all the depth of that statement. Yeah, if, if you don't mind, there, there's, a, there's a citation out of C.S. Lewis's um, book, The Miracles, and he calls 
the incarnation, the grand miracle. And if you don't mind, I'd love to read it. Oh, please, yeah. I think it's I think it's a great. It's one of the greatest quotes. Um, C.S. Lewis writes in the Christian story, God descends to reascend. And he comes down, down from the heights of absolute being into time and space, down into humanity, down further still, if embryologists are right, to recapitulate in the womb ancient and pre-human phases of life, down to the very roots and the seabed of the nature he has created. But he goes down to come up again and to bring the whole ruined world up with him. One has the picture of a strong man stooping lower and lower to get himself underneath some great complicated burden. And he must stoop in order to lift. And he must almost disappear under the load before he incredibly straightens his back and marches off with the whole world swaying on his shoulders. Or one may think of a diver first reducing himself to nakedness then glancing in midair, then gone with a splash, vanished, down through the green and the warm water into black and cold water, down through the increasing pressure into the death-like region of ooze and slime and old decay, and then up again, back into color and light, his lungs almost bursting, till suddenly he breaks the surface again, holding in his hand the dripping, precious thing that he went down to recover. And that, my friends, that uh, dripping, precious thing that he went down to recover is you and me. Yeah, in our fallenness. And he has us in his hand. Yeah. He descended to reascend. Wow. Yeah. Think about that. That's our, that's our Christ. Um, this one who, from whom everything has come, uh, for whom everything exists, to whom everything will return, and he has come to rescue you. He has descended to reascend with you in his hand. What a precious thought on this on this Christmas yeah. time. I also like, and, and you referred to this when you started out in Isaiah today, but I, I like the motif of light and darkness here in John 1 as well. Yeah, that's right. And... The, the motif of light and darkness runs throughout the scriptures, even from the, from the, the beginning of time. Right? Let there be light. Um, there was darkness. There was chaos upon the earth. God creates and let there be light. And here comes the creator once again. And he, he is uh, in the midst of us bringing light in the midst of darkness. And um, uh, uh, in, in the midst of that darkness, we can not only be, be seen by God, but we can see him. We actually see him face to face in the face of Christ. And John so refers he, to him as the true light. As the true light. There are many false lights, but Christ is the true light that gives light to everyone who is coming into the world. So, for unto us this day, in the city of David, a Savior the light of the world has been has been born to us. He's Christ the Lord. And he, he's that eternal word, right? And through him, again, the world was made. But we did not recognize him. We were blinded to this light initially. 
we didn't see this light. We can only see this light by, by his revelation and came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. He had no takers, literally. He had no takers when he came with this light. And yet to all who received him and to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Yeah. This, this is a remarkable mercy. Yeah. So, Bob, as we think about John chapter 1 here for a few moments, nearing Christmas, for the person who's not familiar with the Bible or not familiar with the Christ that we're talking about, I mean, that's a great place to start, isn't it, in, in John and right in chapter 1? It... Well, the good, news, the good news of the Scriptures is that God has sent his son Jesus from the glories of heaven, this kingdom of light, and he has shown you his light in the midst of your darkness, that in your blindness toward him, he has revealed his love to you. And Jesus seeks you, and he calls you by name. You may not have sought him, but he has sought you. And we were told that, in the, uh, that Jesus is the good shepherd in the Gospel of John, that he knows his sheep by name. He died for your sins. He covered them with his atoning blood. And if you're not um, a child of God today, you can become one by simply receiving him as your Savior. It would be the greatest Christmas gift you could give to your own soul. It would be the greatest Christmas gift you could give to the loved ones who know you and your friends around you. A transformed life, being adopted into the kingdom of, of Christ, and your sins uh, atoned for, a child of God. And remember, he says that you're not born of natural descent or of a human decision or of a husband's will. Jesus came for you. Jesus called you. He initiated this, this salvation for you. And you were given the right by faith in him to be, the, be a child of God. But you must be born of God. And he must rescue you if you are both willing and able today to receive him into your life. Now, Father, I want to end in prayer today. And I'm so grateful for this conversation. And we're so grateful for the mercies of Jesus. We're so grateful for the light that has come in the midst of darkness. We're so grateful for this season of the year. And I pray, Father, for those who are struggling today, whose faith is either weak or non-existent. And I pray that you will reveal to them the, the wonders of Jesus, their Savior. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever, whosoever, will believe in him, that well, they will not perish, but they will have eternal life. And I pray, Father, that they will, they will grasp on to this, this promise today, this remarkable promise on this Christmas season, and believe that Jesus is their Savior, the Savior of the world. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My thanks to Pastor Bob Bakke of Hillside Church in Bloomington, Minnesota, for his thoughts preparing us for the meaningful celebration of Christmas, starting with giving our lives fully to the one who gave his life for us. If you'd like to know more about the love Jesus Christ has for you and how you can best respond to him, please visit the website caniknowgod.com. Again, that's caniknowgod.com. And we'll place a link to that important website at firstpersoninterview.com as well. There's also an opportunity to learn more about the Far East Broadcasting Company at firstpersoninterview.com. Once again, Merry Christmas to you and your loved ones. And now with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, 
I'm Wayne Shepherd inviting you to join us next time right here for First Person. 